Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research conducting interviews and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 135 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. We're super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a podcast about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distractions. And today we're going to be reviewing an article that Jeremy Pryor posted recently. For those of you who don't know who Jeremy Pryor is, he's been a huge influence on me, but not only just on me, it's on the show as well. A lot of what we talk about, particularly relating to multi-generational families and uh, big dynasty families made of multiple nuclear families comes straight out of the mouth of Jeremy Pryor. He is a wonderful resource when it comes to uh, creating a healthier vision for family uh, in the modern world today that perhaps we haven't had in the past. So check out his work again, the work of family teams, Jeff Bethke, Jeremy Pryor, all of that. And if you'd actually like to hear an interview uh, we had with Jeremy on this show, you can go back to, I believe it's episode 19. It's actually our most played episode of all time. You guys loved it whenever we put it out. Uh, that's been several years ago now. So, um, to go back and listen to that if you haven't had the chance. A lot of you have come to the show since we've actually had that interview. So for those of you that interview would be totally new, go back and listen to that. I interviewed Jeremy Pryor in uh, June of 21. So that was a wonderful interview, wonderful time. Hopefully we'll be able to do that again. But for now, we're going to review an article that he posted uh, on Facebook. I was scrolling in my feed this morning and I saw... Um, that he had posted this article entitled Five Facts About the Original Jesus Movement That Debunk the Origins of Christianity. Extremely puzzling title, and I want to hear what he's actually saying here. And I believe, based on what I saw him post in a, a, a brief summary, was that he's arguing that Jesus was not starting a religious movement, but was rather bringing something to earth that had never been done before and is totally new. And uh, I, 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 that puzzled me a little bit. I don't know exactly what I think about it yet, but I want to investigate the topic further by reading what this author uh, has to say. So again, let's go ahead and get started. Landon is back on the show today. Three cheers for Landon. <laughs> uh, he had a, another an extra job that we, he had this morning, so uh, we weren't able to record this morning, but we're getting to record this afternoon and uh, glad to have him back on the show 
and getting his t- takes as well. So without further ado, though, Landon, let's go ahead and jump right into this. He says, most people think that Jesus or Paul or perhaps Peter founded the religion called Christianity. My initial reaction to that would be, well, it would, it would, the only, you know, correct one of those would be Jesus, right? Because I don't think Peter or Paul could found um, a religion, at least not one that I would want to be a part of because they're men. They're simply men. The thing that makes Christianity special is that Jesus is God in the flesh and he is exactly who he said he was. And he rose again on the third day and he died for for, uh, humanity. Peter and Paul did not do those things. So that's my initial reaction. Um, He says, this is not true. But isn't Christianity religion? Yes, it is. But the founders of Christianity were not Jesus, Paul, or Peter. Interesting statement. Uh, Christianity as a religion wasn't really born until a very gradual process started in the mid-2nd century, uh, ending in the mid-3rd century. I think he's arguing that, I think he's talking about there where it actually got structure, and it actually got liturgy, and it actually got... It's just kind of uh, misleading to say, because if... What are, what are we using as a definition of religion? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, Christianity, in my opinion, started when you had the teacher, Jesus, and yeah. 12 students, and more I than agree. 12 students. You know, that that kind of began this, here is how we pray, here is how we praise, here is how we do what we need to do, and that's your structure, so... I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know about this mid-second century, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is already he kind of rubbing to, me the wrong way. But he needs to uh, clarify what he means by uh, Christianity, because if he means by Christianity following Jesus, then I think that originated as soon as Jesus stepped foot on the earth. He had followers, like Lana said, he had, a, he was teaching, he was, called, you know, called <laughs> rabbi, bringing this totally brand new message of you know, welcome and inclusion to Samaritans and Gentiles. And later that was reinforced by the work of Paul and the early epistles. But guys, I think he needs to clarify what he means by Christianity here, because this is a very, uh, his article title is very uh, abrasive. If, if you, uh, you know, it can be taken many different ways. So he needs to be careful what he's saying. Um, I think moving on though, he says that bishops were appointed in some regions and later priests became recognized. Yeah. He's saying that he's just talking about the origins of, I would say Catholicism, right? Because he's talking about when the religion gained structure. Um, And I think he's going to argue that it was a movement instead of a religion initially because he had followers, he had apostles, right? But he did not have, you know, clergy and laity uh, type of deal. But It sounds to me like he's just going to kind of lay into more uh, traditional Christian, like, history. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and... To me, that's kind of been the argument for the past however many years, you know, however many thousand years, is mm-hmm. did Jesus intend for liturgy? And I mean, that's what caused the Protestants yeah. to, you know, yeah. pull back from Bail. Catholicism. I mean, so I don't think these are new arguments, um, mm-hmm. but he he's definitely not uh, he's definitely not saying them in a way that is. Um, in Agreed. my opinion, the best way of laying out these arguments. He goes on to say his thesis here is uh, G- Christianity was not part of the original Jesus movement. And I think what he should have said there, a better thesis would have been um, modern Christian practice was not part of the original Jesus movement because it wasn't. 
It's not, right. right? We do things differently now than they did originally. But I think he needs to be careful using the word Christianity because I think it's it's um, he needs he needs to define what he's talking about there. Um, he says, finally, in the fourth century, this emerging religion became a state of religion in Rome, which eventually became known as Western Christianity. From there arose Catholicism, Eastern Christianity in the East, and much later Protestantism. When you look at history, here's what you find. Five historical facts that shed light on how the view of the original Jesus movement. He says, when the original Jesus movement began and grew, it was not a new religion. Let's see what he means by that. Jesus, his first followers, and Paul were not, quote-unquote, Christians. Jesus was a, but by that, if you mean, again, this is where he needs to be careful, because they were followers of Jesus. Right. I so mean, Paul even tells us that he was, con they called them the followers of the way. I mean, yeah. if that is not telling us that there was some sort of um, written down way of doing things based off of the story of Jesus, mm. which to me, if you are a group of people who are following a written idea of who you are supposed to be like, I don't know how you can really deny that that is a religion. A religion, um, yeah. Yeah. I think my definition of religion is a little bit uh, narrower than Landon's. I think of religion as a series of traditions and practices done in the worship of a deity. And That's interesting. I mean, to me, because I would... I would be more apt to say that religion is a a formal set of ideas on which we base our ethics and mm. personal beliefs. Because yeah. I, I genuinely believe that you don't even have to be worshipping anything and you still could be religious. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. Yeah. Um, yeah. For instance, if you are a if you are an atheist, I know religious atheists. They follow atheism yeah. to a religion. So I, yeah. I don't know if I could really put a definition that only pertained to people who worship something. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, I here's where I get a little bit you know, of a reaction to reading this article. He really needs to uh, go. He really needs to clarify what he means by religion and what he means by Christianity, providing a very clear set of definitions for that. Because again, you've got me and Landon here. Uh, you know, if he's just saying, you know, the original Jesus movement didn't, did not involve the liturgical practices that we have in modern denominations today, then I totally agree with him. But if he's saying that the original uh, Jesus movement was not, um, founded by a God who wanted reconciliation with his people and to be worshipped, I think that's heretical. Right. Uh, he, that's, and he really needs to be careful, I think, doing that, because um, Jesus was God in the flesh, right? He came to reconcile humanity unto himself um, and I mean, to, I, I think to, to establish more, the relationship, yeah. I think I'm a little more traditional in the sense than you are in this situation, just because mm -hmm. I, I believe, like, no matter how much you try to take out the traditional parts of certain religious practices, um, yeah. if you're trying to say that Jesus wasn't setting up a rule book of some sorts of how to proceed with the worship of his father and our father, um, then then you haven't read the Bible correctly. I mean, he, he lays out sim very simple rules but some are stricter than others um i mean if we just just to name a few the way that we are supposed to be baptized 
you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He makes it clear that that is how Mm -hmm. we are supposed to do it. He also gives us a guideline on how to pray. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can can take these and try to interpret them in different ways, um, but at the end of the day, Jesus tells us certain things that are very, you know, structured. So to Mm -hmm. say that Jesus was just like bringing in a new movement and like, we're all cool, man, and just believe in me man you know like that kind of flowy do what you want here's just a little way of um looking at it i don't think that that's accurate of what jesus was trying to do um Mm -hmm. because he was so you know straightforward on certain things that um he felt he needed to be straightforward right yeah he gave us like you said he gave us really uh clear instructions to use your baptism example, though I think a lot of denominations will take those instructions and expound upon them and add additional rules. For example, yeah, you're baptized. Well, if you didn't get baptized by the Southern Baptist Convention, then we do not acknowledge your baptism, and you must therefore come into our denomination, get right. a new baptism in order for it to be legitimate. And that's kind of where I get into it. When I, when I say I don't like uh, modern liturgical structure around services it's that kind of thing it's it's the kind of thing that takes something jesus said which is what we need to be doing and adds to it additional rules and requirements that jesus did not discuss and and makes it so that anybody who's not uh in your quote-unquote sect or group is kind of us and them they're outsiders they're sure they might be real believers but they're not the real you know chosen people of god they're not going to be um you know that that kind of thing. There's that argument slurred thrown around a lot. Right, of the time. and I, I think that uh, the better thesis for this would be what, as you were saying, a modern liturgical um, setting is not what Jesus intended. But to say mm-hmm. that he didn't intend any liturgical setting at all, I mean, right. he laid it out I for agree. us. There are things yeah. that we have to s- stay in I the agree. bounds of based off of what Jesus actually said. Yeah, I agree. He gave us a model. He gave us things to do. Those are things we need to do. It's when you start adding or demanding that people, uh, you know, do it in this specific way that I think we get into error of man and um, error of tradition and that kind of thing. Number two, he says the way they taught was not technically a religious way. That I would actually disagree with because of what Landon just said. They gave you practices. But again, it goes back to what he means by religious because if if he means practices, if he means like spiritual disciplines, Jesus talked about those all the time. Um, those are discussed in scripture all the time, but if he means like, uh, you know, when you think of the word religion, you think of attending a sacred space, uh, conducting sacred rituals, um, you know, there's clergy giving you a uh, reading from scripture, giving you maybe an oration or a sermon telling you kind of what to think, uh, that, that kind of thing. I think he's right. He just needs to define that. And I think, um, you know, you can't really do a review of an article like this. Uh, and say yay or nay if he doesn't define that. He says Jesus taught that you didn't need the Jewish temple or sacrificial system. So there he's saying you didn't need sacred space, which I agree with that, uh, or the sacrificial system, right? Because he's the Lamb of God. He's taking care of that. He is the ultimate sacrifice to be right with God, it says. Nor a type of synagogue system, nor priests, nor a hierarchy. See, I agree with those things. But when it gets into the issues of what Landon was talking about, when Jesus said basically, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, uh, that's a that's a that's a boundary, right? right? That's a certain set of rules that you have to adopt if you want to believe in Jesus as you know who he said he was, which is God. Right, and and I think that 
and this is my interpretation of scripture, so it is not something that I uh, would bring up as a, um, you know, doctrinal belief that everyone needs to follow. But for me, when Jesus tells us narrow is the way, um, I think he was also talking about this tightrope walk that we have to follow when it comes to following certain doctrine. Um, mm. Saying we don't need a specific place, we don't need priests, we don't need mm -hmm. the whole law of Moses, we don't need these things, does not mean that we don't need anything. And I think that that is kind of what Jesus's message was about: is yes, mm -hmm. this side of the religion, we we can we can start to expand without all of these, um, you know, barriers. But there are still wider barriers. There, mm. It isn't, well, Jesus said we didn't need priests, so therefore everyone's going to heaven if you're a good person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right. He still has barriers, and you have to, That's find, quite a jump. That, you have to yeah. find that tightrope walk to where you're not going too far out of the left field. And then again, we don't rebound back into a time where you have to go to the temple and sacrifice. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you have to find that middle ground. And I mean, it's not like priests are not discussed in scripture. We are the, you know, the royal priesthood. Now Paul talks about that. Be us being, when you are enter into a relationship with God through Jesus, you are, you know, under the priest, priest, priesthood of Christ. I don't, I forget what the exact language is, but it's discussed in scripture. So a priest is not like an unscriptural concept. Right. Um, you know, it's discussed in scripture all the time. I think his, his, point here that uh, Jesus was not coming to establish a physical, tangible version of that is correct. But I mean, I also, I think he needs to balance out his view with, you know, Jesus did establish a new priesthood, right? And, well, and uh, you know, yeah. I would argue that's spiritual. Yeah. He made it clear when he was talking to the disciples that he's going here to build a church. What, what mm -hmm. do we think that that meant? I mean, yeah. that, that's where I believe that if you aren't very careful about how he is saying that it is not a new religion, you do, mm -hmm. you do venture off into heresy if you're not careful. Because mm -hmm. Jesus Agreed, said, yeah. upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers mm -hmm. of hell will not prevail against not stand it. against it, yeah. So if you, if you are just going to ignore that Jesus said that he is here to build a church, then mm -hmm. you're starting to venture off into heresy, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. I think anything Jesus says, um, you know, you can't, you cannot, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't just uh, discount, you can't ignore that. I mean, it has to be, you have to have, an, you have to believe what he says. That's the, that's the foundation of the whole um, Christianity. You know, what Jesus said was accurate, unquestionable, right in every way. Hi guys, I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings, okay? So lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs $5 a month, which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day, okay? So you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account. If you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about, this is your chance, okay? Follow the link in the show notes to become a sub. Thank you so much for choosing this show to 
listen to. And now, without further ado, let's get back to the episode. So, you know, you just have to do your best to understand it and follow exactly what he said. I mean, it's uh, that's, that's really all there is to it. He's, his number three is um, uh, true Judaism per the original Jesus movement was to be a way of life based on love. Yeah. A love that is extended to all enemies. This way of life breaks down the barriers of Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. That's Paul. And no longer uses violent animal or other sacrifices to atone for sins or appease the wrathful God. Jesus taught... Uh, oh, see, this is this universalist word he's using here comes with a lot of connotations of uh, universal, everybody being saved. Uh, right. He says, and taught a universal way of life within Judaism, not a new when, religion. When you venture into this progressive Christianity type, um, you know, literature, you start to see this uh, language used a lot. Um that Jesus was all about love. They try to they try to paint a picture of Jesus as if it was just this like um, free love, you know. Set they they recreate Jesus to fall under their own um, guardrails of a hippie movement from the 1960s. Like that is what they try mm-hmm. to portray Jesus at, as a lot in these type of uh, writings. And to to just say that the whole movement was about love is to completely disregard so many teachings and to really, in my opinion, oversimplify something that was meant to be so much bigger. Yeah, I think they. I think that the people you're talking about there, the New Age uh, upstarts, and what you called termed progressive Christianity people, when they talk about love, I think that they are out of balance as well. And I think the reason why is because their definition of love is um, complete and total acceptance of anything, even harmful behaviors. And I would, I would draw the distinction between that love and the real love that I believe God was exhibiting and, you know, love your enemies as yourself and God as agape and all this stuff is there is a specific way of doing life. There is a music God has set the universe to, operate in and you have the choice to either follow that music right or you can break away and do your own thing and suffer the consequences yep. but the problem is in the in the new agey progressive christianity the love they're talking about has no boundaries or definitions they're right. trying to remove all definitions and boundaries so that anything goes and what what what's wrong with that picture is when you do that when you remove all definitions and boundaries from the word love suddenly people start doing really harmful things they start hurting one another and but oh it's it's all love right anybody can do whatever they want yeah well you're you're hurting your neighbor uh, right. You're doing this to children. You're hurting your women in your life. You're hurting your men in your life. And all these things start happening. And that's why there has to be boundaries and definitions for right. morality. Um, and for thousands and that, of years, I, we kind of understood that G- God loved us enough to give us free will and to allow us to make our decisions mm-hmm. in a way. But he also loves us enough that he is and he loves us, but he's also a just God. So if we yeah. go through our life performing in a way that is justifiably evil through sin, there are and we do not yeah. receive that redemption from Jesus, there are going to be consequences. Yeah, God, sure. God is just, 100% just, and the, that justice is not going to just disappear because you right. know, he, he, of how much you say that he loves this person even mm-hmm. throughout all this. 
Yeah, if you couldn't do anything wrong, it wouldn't be re- free will. Free will is the exactly. ability to make the right choice, but also the ability to make the wrong choice. And either one, you have the freedom to choose, but it comes with consequences, right? Like Landon's exactly. saying. Landon, did you did you ever go see the? Um, you you said the word hippies a minute ago, and it reminded me of the the film. Did you go see the Jesus Revolution movie? Yes, about the, yes. Did I you really you really enjoyed that movie? Oh man, I um, love that movie. It, it so was good. it was wonderful. Um, they one of the better Christian movies. I am very very. Oh um, sure. I'm yeah. very, what can I say? Uh, picky? Yes, very picky. Skeptical? Um, very <laughs> skeptical on Christian movies. Very. Yeah, I just, I'm usually pretty against Christian movies just yeah, because they same. usually give a bad message. Um, They're so poorly made. Yeah, well, I mean, and, it's, and it's so, just laughable. So many times we see Christian movies, not to get off into a tangent, but so many times we see Christian movies that open up with this guy who has a terrible life, and then he accepts yeah. Jesus, and then his life is wonderful for the rest of the time he's alive, mm-hmm. and it never goes bad. And Through hardship, yeah. And you see that in so many Christian movies, and I thought for sure that Jesus' revolution was going to go with the same thing, but... What I really enjoyed is you had these this group of people that were, you know, on LSD and doing terrible things. They found Jesus, and then, like, not even six months later, they just get absolutely thwomped by the devil. And that is so accurate, because yeah. no matter how much we follow Jesus, it's never going to be easy. And, and that's right. one of the things that really get me about Christian movies, that Jesus Revolution did really well. Oh, I totally agree. They they did not make it all sunshine and rainbows at the end exactly. of the movie. They actually showed you, hey, they succeeded. There was also influences of corruption within yeah. the leadership of the the church that started the micro church or the lowercase C church, I should say. They right. were also struggles that the leaders had. There were uh, challenge relational challenges that they went yeah. through. All these things are real that you're going to deal with post you know, profession of Jesus coming to faith and belief in him, you know, it's like, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a easy life, easy access pass right. card to get, go through life without, you know, problem. Or it, one of my favorite quotes is from the shack is, uh, you want the promise of a pain-free life. There isn't one. And that really yeah. is Christianity. You want the promise of a pain-free life, no problems at all. And that's not what the gospel promises. That's not what right. we have in Jesus. What we do have is hope and a God who will enter into the pain of his people uh, as you go through it, right? And he will stand beside you during anything that you go through. That is promised in Scripture. What's not is, like Landon said, you know, a, just a stroll through the roses. Um, something I d- liked about that movie, though, Landon, is um, they acknowledged what happens when a new, upstarted, lowercase c, denomination, church, whatever you want to call it, gets too big, and what happens is they begin to have problems of, um, I would say, a lust for power, greed, mm-hmm. perhaps, uh, wanting to be super influential. And there's this pride element to it that really puffs people up. And it's not just leadership in the church. It's it's just the movement itself. There's an arrogance to it. And I think mm-hmm. uh, that happens you know, across the board when it comes to large um, denominations. And we need to be really, really careful about that because that is a trap that many, right. many big denominations have fallen into. Right. So and, that movie did a really you, good job. You begin to um, take into account the teachings of random people in your sect more importantly than the actual stri- scripture um so and, true. and you yep. see that you see that so often in church and it, it really does come down to the fact that we 
as Christians, we tend to have this reoccurring theme that we want to get away from um, any written down doctrine. You know, we want to just kind of, your preacher has his own doctrine and then the church follows it. But then as soon as somebody starts a new church, the doctrine goes out the window and it's whatever that person feels is the right answer. Mm-hmm. And to, we mm-hmm. do this too many times, and, and that's what causes such, all these divisions. Um, in in yeah. my opinion, I, that that's what causes division in the church is somebody comes up with a new doctrine that they feel is the correct way, and then they don't truly find the scripture that follows these. Um, mm. And that's what causes these divisions. You just, well, this is how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, what what scares me too is, um, not scares me. I should say that's probably a wrong way to say it. But like another issue that you can run into is where everyone has access to the to scripture now, thanks Gutenberg and the printing press. Um, you know, wonderful invention and wonderful that it, the scripture is so widespread and you know ubiquitous in modern culture. But it also creates a lot of division because suddenly, for the first time in history, you've got a lot of people able to read scripture themselves and reading the same passage even in the same exact translation people come draw different conclusions about what yeah. Jesus was saying uh, because of their own life experience you bring interpretation things to scripture because of your own you know glasses scripture glasses that you wear and you can't take off people come to these different conclusions based on the same exact verse and you hear you have these huge denominational splits over uh, you know, a sentence that, you know, you think is pretty clear and somebody else thinks is pretty clear, but you're coming to different conclusions. That's what's scary to me. All right, guys, that is where we are going to wrap up the episode. If you'd like to catch the last half of this review, come back to the next episode and we will re- we will finish up our review of the article. It was super good so far. We're looking forward to reviewing the rest for you guys. If you enjoyed the content you heard today, reach out and let us know through the link in the description. You can send us a personalized audio voice message telling us what you thought of the show, giving us comment, question, feedback, anything at all. We really appreciate that. It makes us feel super connected to our audience. You can also follow the Restoring Report podcast on Instagram, Facebook, if you're interested in the content we post there as well. Thank you guys so much for listening today, and we will talk to you next time.